Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study for those who cannot be with us in person. Posted every Wednesday evening at the time we meet at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ each Wednesday evening at 6.30. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person. Again, 6.30, we get together for midweek Bible classes. Good time to get our spiritual batteries recharged, so to speak, during the middle of a busy week. Our building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. But we know there are people even in the Omaha area who cannot be with us in person. And also, we know that there are people who listen across the country and literally around the world. And so we're thankful to be able to have the opportunity, the ability, and the means to put God's Word out over the Internet on such a widespread basis by the means of these podcasts. We're thankful you're there. We're thankful that we're here to be with you and teach you God's word because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. This time together in God's word each week is vital to our faith, not just developing it, but helping it to stay strong, maintaining good, strong faith. So we're thankful to be able to be with you in these studies. We encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and take advantage of the podcasting. If you have not signed up already, it's free, and you'll receive these studies automatically, and a whole lot more Bible teaching as well. But also share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. And you may help somebody in your life grow in their faith and actually come to God through Jesus Christ and have an eternal home in heaven. So take advantage of these opportunities. We're going to finish up our study in the book of Jude, or that letter of Jude. And this is the last part of the New Testament in our English Bibles that comes before the book of Revelation. Now, as we've emphasized, when you think of this one short book of the Bible, Jude, it's only 25 verses, only one chapter. We believe it was written almost certainly by one of the biological or physical brothers of Jesus. Now, I say that because Jesus was born of Mary physically, biologically, but Joseph, Mary's husband, was not his biological father. But the other brothers and sisters that Mary and Joseph brought into this world biologically, well, they were half-sisters, half-brothers of Jesus. And so Jude, he identifies himself as a brother of James, and we believe that James the author of that five-chapter letter was James, the brother of Jesus. And we see in New Testament account, the gospel accounts, that James and Jude were identified by name as physical brothers of Jesus. It's interesting also that, for the most part, while Jesus was going through his public ministry on this earth for that three, three to three and a half years, they did not believe in him as the Savior, as the Messiah, but after his resurrection, they did. And James, in particular, became a great leader within the church. But here we see Jude also being being chosen by God 
to write his inspired word in this one powerful, one-chapter letter, talking about the dangers of false teaching and also the importance of staying true to God's word. Now, again, all of the Bible is written by inspiration, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. By that we mean it is God's very word. The writers chosen by God wrote what they wrote by as they were guided to write exactly God's word through the Holy Spirit. So we're going to finish up. Now I want us to begin with verse 20, and we'll read on down through verse 25. So Jude, as he closes this particular letter, he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to do to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. As we've emphasized, and as I said a few moments ago, I believe, this particular letter is largely focused upon false teachers and false teaching. Unfortunately, the denominational world has done a really masterful job of muddying the waters of true New Testament teaching. Now, some people might listen to that and say, what are you talking about? If you go from denominational church to denominational church, you'll see all kinds of different doctrines being taught. That's not right. God did not give us a a New Testament or even a whole Bible of confusion. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says he is not a God of confusion, but of peace. God's word, again, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, it is inspired word, his inspired word. It is given by inspiration, and that means literally in the Greek, it is God-breathed, the understanding being it is God's very word. Now, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So he didn't give us a whole bunch of jumbled facts and, and, and uh, contradictory statements back and forth, contradictory teachings up and down and all around the block and everything. No, his word is true, and his word is understandable, and his word is direct. But you've got all the, these different denominations that keep changing doctrines, and doctrine simply means teachings, to suit themselves, basically, it seems, to, to fit in with the times in a lot of cases. That's not the way biblical interpretation should be. We need to accept God's word as God's word, even when it hurts, even when it points out that we've been wrong, we've been mistaken, we've been in error. Well, so Jude goes into great detail, as we have been studying in detail and depth in this particular uh, letter, 
talking about and warning against false teachers and false teachings. We can remember what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter one, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. He did the same thing. Boy, his wording there was extremely strong and directed to be on guard, to just keep teaching the truth, because the truth is the greatest safeguard against false teaching. Now, God's Word is not wishy-washy. It's not something to say, well, you know, I think we need to bend it. We need to change it with the times. We need to fit in with the cultural mindset of the day. God's Word is not dependent on the cultural mindset of the day. The cultural mindset of the day ought to be dependent on God's Word, and we need to simply accept it as His will for our lives. We're not smart enough, and we certainly do not have the authority to change God's Word to suit ourselves. Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19 says, if we start adding to it or taking anything away from it, we do so on pain of, of condemnation. God's word is accurate. We need to accept it as such. Now, in verse 20, he says, You beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We've emphasized many times in these studies that faith is not something that is accidental. It is not something that kind of happens to some people and is withheld from others. Some people say it's a gift from God. Well, if it's a gift from God, why does he not give it to everybody? Faith, again, comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. If we want to develop faith, if we want to have strong faith, if we want our faith to stay strong, we need to be students of God's word. Now, some people might say, well, what about people who, who can't read? Well, I, I understand there are fewer and fewer of those individuals, in our country at least, and probably in the Western world, but there are people who don't read well. In other words, they have a difficulty of really reading in, in a proficient way to understand a lot of things that are being said, to understand those things accurately. But they can be taught verbally. They can be led through the scriptures, through somebody else's instruction and guidance. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. We need to be students of God's word. So when he says, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, we need to be in God's word consistently. And that is the best way, the most effective way to, be, to, to stand on guard against false teaching. And so it's not, it's not accidental that as Jude is really going through and repeatedly warning against false teachers and false teachings that he comes toward the end of this particular letter and he says, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. We need to keep ourselves, and the next verse says, keep yourselves in the love of God in the love of God. Now, how can we truly demonstrate our love for God, sincere, true love for God, if we are teaching things that are contradictory to his word, contradictory to his will? So keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I want to turn over to Titus chapter Titus chapter 2, and I want us to begin reading with verse 11 
along this line. Titus chapter 2, and I want us to begin reading with verse, with verse 11. And here the Apostle Paul wrote, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Now, let's compare what Jude wrote in those closing verses of Jude, only one chapter. So what did he say there in verse 21? Keeping yourselves in the love of God. How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? Some people would probably think, well, it, we just, we love God. We, we, we tell people we love God. We have this warm feeling in our, in our heart that we love God. Keeping ourselves in the love of God is a whole lot more than a warm, fuzzy feeling. It is living by God's word. It is being obedient to his teachings. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So true love for God is not going to be just spoken and, ver and, and verbal. It's not just going to be felt. It is going to be developed and demonstrated and lived by walking through this life by the teachings of God's Word. God's Word being our guide, our guidebook, our, our roadmap, so to speak, and all along the way, we are being obedient to his teachings. Obedience goes with true love for God. Now, Jesus did not say that only one time in John chapter 14 and verse 15. He repeated it in verse 21. He repeated it again in verse 23. And then, making sure that there was no wiggle room, he reversed the order in verse 24 of John chapter 14. And he talked about how the one who does not obey him does not love him, does not love him. If we truly love God as God wants us to love him, then we will obey his teachings. We will live by his teachings obediently. Remember, the Hebrews writer brought out in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, that even Jesus, as he lived upon this earth in physical form, went through that process of learning obedience and by so doing demonstrated to us the importance of our living in obedience to God's teachings. The Hebrews writer said in verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 5, though he were a son, speaking of Jesus, yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author or source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. You see the emphasis on obedience to God's teachings in those two verses. We need to recognize that emphasis, and we need to put it into practice in our lives as well. 
Now, coming back to Titus chapter 2 again, so teaching that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this this present age. In other words, turn away from sin and live obedient to God's teachings looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is coming back one day to call the saved, the righteous, to be with him in heaven. He told the apostles in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, I I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again that you may be with me. We look forward to that eternal home in heaven. We look forward to his ushering us through those pearly gates and onto those golden streets to the bliss of eternal life in heaven. Titus chapter 2 again and verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. He paid the price as Jesus went to that cross for the guilt of our sins. Through him, we can be counted righteous before God. We come back to Titus. We look again. Verse 20, but, but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some, have compassion, making a distinction, but on others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. The devil is our enemy, 1 Peter 5, verses eight and nine. He's described as our adversary and as like a wild lion walking about looking for prey to devour. And we're the prey he's looking for. We need to always be on guard. But now we also need to recognize when our brothers and sisters in Christ are struggling with their faith, The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, he says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, the man he's talking about there would be a Christian brother or sister in Christ. So a fellow member of the Lord's church, a fellow Christian, if, if we recognize that one of our brothers or sisters in Christ is struggling in their faith, is struggling with sin, then we need to help them to put that sin away, to stay strong in their faith. Now, if they have already slipped into sinfulness, we need to lovingly, patiently, Help them come back. Help them come to repentance and come back to faithful obedience on a consistent basis. When James was writing, 
as he closed his particular letter. He said in chapter 5, the last two verses of this five-chapter letter, brethren, if anyone among you, now that would mean any of your brothers or sisters in Christ, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, in other words, get sidetracked through temptation, through lack of focus, through complacency, through confusion. Now, the devil will use all kinds of avenues to try to pull us away from the truth of God's word. If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, now you see the parallel to Galatians 6, verse 1. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. You see, it's not a small matter to get off track from God's guidebook, the Bible. It's not a small matter to get sidetracked into some sinful pursuits. It's a matter of spiritual and eternal life and death. And so we need, and so as, as Jude puts it here, pull them out of the fire. Pull them out of the fire. Now, we need to think about it in that way. Certainly when we're trying to teach someone who has yet to become a Christian, because they are ultimately flirting with the flames of eternal condemnation in hell, if they don't change their ways and become Christians, if they don't come to God through Jesus Christ, repenting of their sins and confessing their faith in Jesus openly and surrendering to him in baptism so that the blood that he shed on the cross could cleanse them of the guilt of their sins. But James also says, when you pull one back, when you help a brother or sister who has slipped back into sinfulness, slip back into unfaithfulness because of their lifestyle. He said, you, you help him come back. You teach him, you reach out to him. And in so doing, you help save a sinner from the error of his way and save a soul from death. And we're not talking about physical death. We're talking about eternal death, condemnation in hell. Well, let's come back to Jude and look at verses 24 and 25. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, God is able to keep you from stumbling. Some people never become Christians because they, they think, I, I can't live that life. Would God ask you to do something that was impossible for you to do? Remember how John describes God with the simple, straightforward statement, God is love. God is love. He would not ask you, require you to do something that would be impossible for you to do. But the devil will try to make you believe that you can't do it. You can't live that faithful Christian life consistently. But the devil's a fa the father of lies, the scriptures tell us. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Remember 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except 
such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. My, what a great verse of Scripture. What wonderful, important instruction and how encouraging that verse of Scripture is to us. God will be with you as long as you are walking faithfully with him. And he will not allow any temptation to overtake you, but will always make the way for you to be able to say no to the temptation with his help. And God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. When we look at Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and I want us to look at verses 19 and 20. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19, at least beginning with verse 19. You might read a little bit a little farther than just verse 20. But notice what the Apostle Paul writes here. What is the, and, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. God did something for us in sending Christ to the cross that we had no power, no ability to do by ourselves on our own. We could not cleanse ourselves from the guilt of our sins. We could not pay the price for the guilt of our sins on our own. Now that was, I said, Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. That was Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And now I also want to read from Colossians chapter 1 and begin with verse 19. And notice what Paul writes here along the same line. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. Now that is through Christ. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. We become reconciled to God through Jesus as we come to him as our Savior in repentance and obedience, being baptized into him for the remission of our sins. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and without reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, what does Jude say again? To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory and exceeding joy. Who's able to present us before God the Father? Faultless? Cleansed? Forgiven? 
saved? Jesus, our Savior. He is our Savior. And what again, a marvelous text in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23, and also Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, as we read a moment ago. Now, notice verse 23 of Colossians chapter 1. If indeed you continue in the faith. Now, that means a lifestyle of living by God's word, faithfully, obediently, consistently, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Not moved away. In other words, we don't let the devil lead us away from faithful obedience to God's word, to his teachings. We come back to Jude, and we finish up that last verse, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. There is no one on this earth who compares with God in glory, in majesty, in power, in authority, and in holiness. Part of living our Christian life before God is worship. The word worship means adoration. We express our adoration for God, for who he is and what he is, as we come together as his church to worship him on a regular basis. When people absent themselves from the worship of God with the church, they're failing to show. Now, I'm talking about people who have the ability to be there with the church to worship God, but they choose not to. They're failing to show that adoration for God in a way that he has prescribed through his word that we should do. Hebrews 10 and verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We need to be together as the church to worship God, to show him our adoration for him, our love for him through, the, through our worship of him, to glorify him and praise him and honor him and thank him through our worship of him. Are you doing that? Are you practicing that on a regular basis? And I'm not talking about once a year or twice a year or three times a year. I'm not talking about every now and then, maybe every few months or whenever it strikes your fancy. I'm talking about on the first day of the week. Each week has one of those. We are told to come together to worship God on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. Acts 20 and verse 7. Are you doing that? We'd like to encourage you and help you. You can contact us by phone at 402-498-8397. You can 
write to us at Sunny Slope Church of Christ, 3606 North 108th Street, Omaha, Nebraska, 68164. Or you can contact us through our website at churchofchrist.com and click on the email link. What a great book is the book of Jude. But it should not be surprising because it is but one book within the book of God, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. I hope you've enjoyed this and grown spiritually through our study. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your word to point out real truth, the truth of your will for our lives. Help us, Father, to grasp the importance of our knowing your word so that we can live by it and help us to revere the sacredness of your teachings. Thank you for giving us this guidebook. Help us to follow it every day of our lives and to your glory, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.